Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. For the last several broadcasts, we've been looking at five prophecies, Old Testament prophecies, that are recorded in Matthew's account of the birth of Christ and are given to us as being fulfilled by the birth of Christ. One in chapter 1 and four in chapter 2. Some of them are very clear. Others are a little more difficult. And it's the difficult ones that constitute one of the reasons why I told you on the broadcast yesterday that when You're counting how many prophecies Christ fulfilled in his coming. It's not easy to say because it's not always clear what what constitutes a prophetic announcement of something in the future and a fulfillment, and what is more of a, a general picture or type of something which turns out to be fulfilled in the coming of Christ. And types are a little bit different from prophecies, but we find both of them in this list that are found in the opening chapters of Matthew. And so the first one is the very clear prophecy of the virgin birth from Isaiah 7.14, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. The second one is the very clear prophecy of the location of that birth in Bethlehem, the village of Bethlehem, which is prophesied by Micah in chapter 5, verse 2. The third one is the prophecy of the flight into Egypt of Joseph and Mary and the Christ child. And that one is more of a fulfillment of of typology than it is a clear statement. But we looked at all of that a couple of days ago, and I won't go back to that now. And then there is the fourth one that we took up on the broadcast yesterday, which is the slaughter of the innocents. In chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 18, and that goes back to a statement in Jeremiah 31, 15, which is quite puzzling indeed, but nevertheless is listed here as a fulfillment by the birth of Christ. And so we'll look at that and, and then move on to the last one on this Friday, Jan, or, or December 30, we're not to January yet, December 30, we're almost there, but not there yet. Thank you for helping us keep paying the bills on this station. Perhaps the Lord would have you send us a gift as we close out the year 2022. Well, the prophecy is stated in Matthew 2.18, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. 
Now, this is even more challenging than the one about the slaughter of the innocents, because this refers, in Jeremiah 31.15, to the deportation of captives to Babylon and the slaughter of many of the the, uh, citizens of Judah because of the conquering of the country by Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't take everybody captive. He killed some people and took others away captive. And Jeremiah talks about Rachel weeping for her children, but of course Rachel has been dead for hundreds of years. She died in childbirth, clear back before the Egyptian, the, the, the move into Egypt, the Egyptian bondage, and then the the redemption out of Egypt. It goes way back. But as I mentioned on the broadcast yesterday, Rachel is considered to be the mother of Israel. Just like Abraham is considered to be the father of Israel, Rachel is considered to be the, or at least a mother, of Israel. She was literally the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, and she died in childbirth. And there was weeping. She she wept in childbirth, and there was weeping of others because of her death. And certainly Jacob wept greatly because of the death of his favorite wife. And so that's used in Jeremiah, in his statement, as a picture of Israel, the nation of Israel, weeping for slaughtered captives, slaughtered citizens, and the captives who are being carried away to Babylon. And then that's picked up by Matthew, and it's pictured as weeping for the slaughtered infants of of Bethlehem. And so it is fulfilled in the sense that this sorrow and lamentation, which began clear back in Genesis with Rachel and her childbirth and was, as it were, continued during the days of Babylonian captivity, is now filled up in the slaughter of the two-year-old male children, those two years old and under, in Bethlehem. But Messiah has come to bring pain and sorrow like this to an end. And he will in his second coming. That awaits yet another fulfillment. Not all of the prophecies have already been fulfilled. Some of them were fulfilled in his first coming. Others will be fulfilled in his second coming. But we're so glad for these words in Revelation 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now that day hasn't come yet, but it's coming. It's coming. We're all looking forward, all of us who know the Lord, are looking forward to that day when the coming of Messiah will put an end to this kind of injustice and terrible and tragic sorrow. But now we come to the fifth prophecy, the return to Nazareth, and we continue reading in Matthew. 
Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in the dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in the dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled. There's that language again, another fulfilled prophecy, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, he shall be called a Nazarene. The return to Nazareth. Herod dies. This can be dated to about 4 B.C. And an angel directs Joseph to return to Israel because Herod, who was trying to kill Christ, Jesus, was dead. But upon his return, instead of going to Bethlehem, where he had been when he, when he fled into Egypt, he is directed instead to go to Nazareth, which is actually where he came from originally before he went to Bethlehem. So he's going back to his home. We don't know where Joseph was born, but this was the place where he had set up his home and his business, his carpenter shop, his construction business. But he goes back to Nazareth, and we're told that this fulfilled a prophecy. The prophets, plural, we are told, said he shall be called a Nazarene. But, again, a challenging statement, because we search the Old Testament thoroughly and fail to find any statement which says that Jesus will be called a Nazarene. In fact, we don't even find any reference to the town of Nazareth in the Old Testament scriptures. But what this turns out to be is an allusion rather than a quotation, but it's still a fulfillment, as the Bible tells us. Nazareth was a Roman garrison military town. It had a reputation as being rough and tumble and crude, And in the days when Jesus was grown and teaching, he was not known among the population of Israel as Jesus of Bethlehem, but rather Jesus of Nazareth. You know that to be true. You can find that in John 1, 46, John 7, 41 and 42, which summarizes the meaning of several statements by a number of prophets. He shall be despised and rejected, we're told in Isaiah 53, and in Psalm 22, and other similar statements. In other words, the general human opinion of Jesus Christ was not going to be universally favorable. There were some people that welcomed him gladly and honored him as he should have been honored, but there were a great many others who ridiculed him and despised him demonstrating once again that human opinion is often wrong, is usually wrong, and it's dangerous to side with popular opinion. Don't get caught up in that trap, but rather walk instead by faith in God's revelation. But apparently the idea is that because of these many statements in the Old Testament about Jesus bearing reproach, 
in his humanity and being ridiculed because of his background in Nazareth, search and see, said the Pharisees on one occasion, is there any prophet that comes out of Nazareth? And the answer is no, though actually there was, but I won't get into that right now. There were a couple of others probably besides Jesus, but nevertheless, the universal opinion of the day was, no, no prophets come out of Nazareth, not that blue neck, rough and tumble area. All the prophets have come out of more noble places. And so they go to Nazareth. Why? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. That is, he shall be, he shall be ridiculed. He shall be called names that are not flattering. He's going to bear this kind of reproach. And that certainly is prophesied a number of times in the Old Testament. And that prophecy seems to be summarized, wrapped up in this idea that he shall be called a Nazarene. It is an allusion to a number of various prophecies. Well, let's wrap all this up and be done with this short study in the five scriptures that are fulfilled in the coming of Christ, the most important thing is to just keep in mind that God became man to reveal the Father, to satisfy divine justice in the place of sinners. And that's the purpose of the Incarnation. But we are reminded that the Messiah was promised hundreds of years before he came, and he came in exact fulfillment of many promises, because God keeps his word. You can trust him with your soul. The world is full of pain and sorrow because of sin and the curse. Christ came to lift the curse and remove pain and sorrow. Trust him. That is coming. And the message of the incarnation, though it seems foolish to the world, is the message of salvation and is believed by those who are spiritually wise. May you and I be in that number. Until next week, this is Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.